Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Clay, he said, and we'll keep this in mind today without Willard. Clay says the key without Steph is you've got to avoid pressing. I mean, I might get a few more field goal attempts, but I just got to be myself and play my game. And that's simplifying things. I'm not going to go out there and play hero ball. That's when I get in trouble. So although Steph's out, it's a strength and numbers game, and we got to collectively come together and pick up for his absence. There were two plays last night that really stood out, Dibs. There was one, it was 26-21, I think, and Jordan Poole had the ball, and they were moving the ball around. You know, player movement, ball movement. And he has the ball in the wing, and he pump fakes uh, one of the various Jalen Williams, I think, and takes a sidestep dribble, and Poole has a shot, but he sees Clay on the wing, throws it to Clay for a better shot, and he makes it. It's like, wow, that was a great play. And then later in the third or fourth quarter, I think it was the third quarter, when Clay is, you know, he's piling up the threes, and you're talking about single-game record, and he goes into the lane, and he dumps it to Draymond, who then dumps it to Wiggins, who made that crazy shot. It's like, man, both those plays, one by Poole to Clay, and then Clay giving it to Draymond. That was great Warrior basketball. Yes, she, uh, sharing the ball, team yeah. basketball, and you know Clay Thompson. Even though he was on a big time heater, mm-hmm. not pressing to try to get to a certain level of threes or a certain level of points, they were making the smart shot, making the smart play in order to execute and sharing the basketball. And I think that the fact that Jordan Poole did that so readily to me was the most important and the most impressive part of the game because we've seen Jordan Poole in spots, especially with Steph out. Jordan Poole at times would think, I need to come out here and pick up the slack for Steph Curry and be Steph Curry and shoot as much as Steph. And last night he didn't do that. And even Clay, like you mentioned, 12 threes, even though he was getting hot, he was still finding a way to not press and make the right play. Vintage Clay last night coming off a month of January in which his numbers were better than they've ever been for a single month. So Dibs, and you're kind of the keeper of the moral code here, I think, and thank goodness you are. Does anybody around here on the station, fan-wise, does anybody owe Clay an apology today? I don't uh, I don't believe in apologies when it comes to doing what we do. Apology not accepted? Apology not issued, quite frankly. And the apology not accepted, by the way, doesn't come from Steiny. It comes from my brother Doug from Thanksgiving uh, about that. 11 years ago. Just yeah. many people hear the drop of Steiny. And think that he came up with that? No. It's borrowed from Doug Dibley, who shares a birth year with Matt Steinmetz. They're about the same years old, but I don't believe... That's when you apologized to your brother for something, and he just... Yes, well, because it was Thanksgiving, not and uh, we were taking pictures, and I flashed a picture with an actual flash, I remember and he story. said, ow, 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 ow! 
And I was like, and we all laughed because who says ow when a flashbulb goes off? And so we all laugh. And he says, you know, I've got bad eyes. And I said, Doug, dude, I'm sorry. I didn't think about that. Apology not accepted. And then we burst into laughter for a second time. So but he didn't, right? No, he didn't think it was funny at all. Quite frankly. But shut up. I don't believe in sports radio apologies. Bonte did a big bit yeah. a couple of months ago about sorry, Jimmy G. It's a cute bit, and I liked it. But in terms of apologies, I don't think that we owe Clay an apology because the topic of the day, and it wasn't just us in the media who was saying it, should Clay go to the bench and should Jordan Poole now start? And it turned out to be nonsense, and I actually thought it was nonsense from the start because if you look at Clay Thompson's career, the only time he has ever come off the bench in his whole career is his rookie year. Every other game, Clay Thompson has started. Steph Curry's appeared off the bench more times than Clay Thompson has, which tells you all you need to know about Clay Thompson's comfort zone in terms of how he wants to play. He wants to start. So the whole notion was ridiculous, but it was a topic. And because it was a topic, we don't need to issue any apologies to Clay Thompson. From Matt Steinmetz on uh, the text line here. Well, he texted me, texted you too. Apology my ass, says Matt Steinmetz. Yeah. And that's that's kind of how (laughs) Steiny rolls. But I I don't think... I don't know know, what Steiny said about Clay. I wasn't talking about him, certainly, necessarily. Well, he might have been saying it was... uh, I don't don't think that Steiny was of the mind that Clay needed to come off the bench. And, you know, some people are saying, oh, you owe Clay an apology because some of us, myself included, were saying Clay is taking bad shots and yes, Clay yes. is not playing that well. These things were facts. Right. And now that Clay's playing better, it doesn't mean that the things we said in December were wrong. They were right in December. But now here we are February 7th, and it's also fair to say Clay Thompson is playing incredibly well. He's playing. He's shooting the ball as well as he has his That's whole amazing. career. Yeah. yeah. There were two aspects to it. One was, hey, Clay's never going to be the same. Um, and so I, I know that bothered him, even though it was funny because he would acknowledge it. Of course, I'm not the same right now. But how can Charles Barkley say not going to be the same? And people wondered, will he ever be the same? And I think that was fair to wonder. And you could also say, even without the injuries, he wouldn't be the same at 33 as he was you know, earlier in his career. Obviously, he's put some of that to bed. But I think that was reasonable. I thought I, when he first came back, I thought the shot will be there. Because he's always going to be able to shoot. And it wasn't. It took him a long time to get there. But the other thing, as far as uh, I agree with you, as far as whether he should have been starting, the thing with Clay is he was taking so many bad shots that it was getting to the point where the Warriors were going to have to do something, but he figured it out. And uh, they deserve all the credit for letting him play through that. But it was to a point where he was hurting them last year with how many bad shots he was taking. And this year, too, yeah. when he came in out of shape, and that was on him. And he comes in with the same mindset that he always has, which is, you know, a shooter shoots, and I'm going to shoot my way out of this. And so you can't love Clay Thompson for being such a prolific scorer and at the same time hate on Clay Thompson for shooting too much. The only thing that I was critical of was the fact that he was hunting shots and he was taking bad shots. A lot of them. Yeah, and just he was trying to force his way back into a comfort zone. And maybe, and Clay might be the one to tell you this, if it wasn't for all the shots he missed in November and December, maybe he wouldn't have had the January that he had. Only Clay can speak to that. But he does seem like he's in better shape 
it looks like he's taking better shots. He's making more shots. And all of a sudden, now you look at Clay Thompson averaging 21.3 a game, better than last year, mm-hmm. the most since 2019 when they, they had KD still. Clay Thompson looks to be on the offensive end anyway. All the way back. Yeah, he's no longer trying to prove things to anyone, especially himself. I think he was trying to prove to himself that he was back. But you know, last night at Chase Center was Bruce Lee night, and Clay says he has adapted a Bruce Lee-like philosophy. That's also a great book written by Miss Shannon Lee. Uh, that book helped me so much during the time when I wasn't playing basketball. Even outside of basketball, I uh, try to apply her and her father's teachings to my life. That book is incredible. And as far as on the court, to be like water is just to flow be effortless, be quick, but not in a hurry, and uh, always have ultimate belief in yourself. So that's what it means to me to be like water and thought I resembled that tonight. So perhaps the the Zen path is the best path of the Warriors back into a championship contention this year, Dibs. Well, and what he said about ultimately believe in himself was evidenced in his game. If you look at, you know, his November and his December where other than the one time he kind of clapped back at Charles Barkley mm-hmm. when Barkley was kind of saying, well, this is what you expect he's when players that. get yeah, older, he's, he's, he's done. done. Yeah. yeah, I mean, other than that, Clay hasn't responded to anything. He has stayed true to his process, which is shoot my way out of the slump. But the numbers tell you all you need to know. Three of ten early in the year. He's got a, a six of 19, followed by a five of 14, a seven for 19, a three for 13. He was struggling. He was struggling to find not only his rhythm, but to find the basket. And some of those, the numbers don't tell the whole story. Because to the point you made, not only did he not shoot well, but some of those were bad shots that he shouldn't have been taking in the first place. Exactly. And that's where it gets to where Clay's talking about you got to be like water and have ultimate self-confidence. Because Clay didn't really have many games where he shied away from the shot. He, he kept with it. You know, If you look at his entire game log, there's only one game other than a game at the start of the year where he shot fewer than 10 times. It was a game at Dallas. He was 2 of 9 in a game the Warriors would go on to lose by 3. But other than that, you look at his shot attempts. Oh, yeah. 21, 23, mm-hmm. 25, 26. 36 minutes. Yeah, last year when he came back compared to his career, it's like, oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. So he has not lacked for confidence. Whether or not all of us as fans have watched him and thought, oh, geez, Clay, maybe... Maybe it is near the end. Maybe you need to come off the bench. Maybe you need to not shoot so much. This, that, and the other. Clay Thompson has never wavered, and now he's in a spot. Forget the 42-point game. He's had a monster. It's more than just a little stretch now. It's about six weeks. By the way, speaking of all things Zen, last night at Chase, they also introduced or opened, I should say, the Simu Lee, uh, Simu Lu or Lee? Simu Lu. Pardon me, sensory room. Uh, Simu Lu played Shang-Chi and Shang-Chi and the, the Ten Rings of Stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen that. I heard it's very good. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> the Ten Rings of Power? Is that what it is? Anyway, he was there last night, and they named this room after him, and you go there, and it's for fans who are at the arena and feel overwhelmed or overstimulated. Dibs. You can go in there. It's quiet. You puzzles. You can go in there and, and nurse your baby. There's lots of things you can do in there. And he said it's perfect. So they have that as well now at Chase. Keep that in mind if you're ever out there and it's getting a little too, little too intense. For it's a little too intense. Yeah. So you can uh, you can go in the sensory room. It's complete with carpeted walls, yeah. lighting features, sure. puzzles and games. Uh huh. And for those fans who feel overwhelmed and right. overstimulated, that's just. Uh, 
Wow. Nice. And Lou himself says, pretty neat. It's simple. It's perfect. What an incredible opportunity that we've given so many fans that ordinarily would have only dreamt of coming to Chase Center to watch the Golden State Warriors play. Mm-hmm. So you have a chance if it's getting to be too much, you can go into the sensory room. And I'd right. imagine there's no TV in there. You can't like... Puzzles, but no TV. Breastfeeding, but no TV. Yeah. I don't think. Well, yeah. I mean, breastfeeding, but no TV. What are you supposed to do? Just sit there with the baby latched to you? I don't know. It can get pretty boring. But uh, No, it's good. And whatever we can do, Whitey, to make, nice. to make people more comfortable. Mm-hmm. If we're going to allow people to bring in their comfort rabbit... Into a game, and I, I know the Comfort Bunny has a name, which it's like Howard or something. I, the, the, the Comfort Rabbit's I name about the comfort escapes rabbit. yeah. me. Yeah. But if we, if we have a society now where we can bring our dogs anywhere we want, whether or not they have a, a security animal vest or not, your dog is welcome anywhere because it makes you comfortable. And you can drive huh. with Doggy on your lap. Because it makes you comfortable. You can have a... This is a nice thing, and I'm not sure... No, it's a beautiful thing. (laughs) And I think that the Warriors are just joining in to our societal norm now, which is we're going to make you do whatever... want you to be comfortable. Yeah, we want you to be comfortable and and happy. Yeah. Yeah, and because when you go to an NBA game, and it's noisy, and there's music, and there's activity, and there's a video board, I mean, that's pretty unexpected. It's, it's got to be a so shot. You're saying stay home. If it's too much for you, you're saying. I'm just saying just that it's like going to a rock concert and having an area at the rock concert where there's no sound. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. You and just, you never there's know no sound and you can't see the band either. Right, right. <laughs> I'm not saying stay home. I'm just saying that if you come to a Chase Center, you should expect that you it's going to be a little. You should expect it's going to yeah. be a very stimulating environment. Gotcha. Actually, the epitome of what they're trying to do is stimulate your senses. Mm-hmm. That's really the essence of the NBA, right? We're here to entertain you with defense chants and the Warrior Girls, and you know now we have the senior Warrior Dancers, and we have the you know the gender equity dance troupe, right. and we've got Franco Finn, and we've got all this stuff. We have so much sensory overload. But mm-hmm. if, if that's too much for you, we have a place for you now. That's nice. It's, that's no, it's nice. beautiful. One of the problems I for the Warriors, congratulate the Warriors has been that Andrew Wiggins at times has seemed maybe a little too laid back, right? Maybe a little too relaxed. They should have called it the Andrew yeah. Wiggins sensory room. <laughs> you know? So where are we with, with uh, Andrew Wiggins after he went 8 for 15 last night? 18 points. You pointed out already he had three rebounds. Excuse me. Yeah, three rebounds and four assists. Andrew Wiggins, they're going to need him to come back to life if they're going to get over this hump without Absolutely, and I think, and I'm hoping this is a step in the right direction for Andrew Wiggins, who had the adductor strain, which cost him three or four weeks, and then he had the non-COVID illness. Uh, Some reports are it was worse than the flu, and that cost him a week or two. And now, since he's come back, he hasn't seemed himself. If he can be healthy, motivated, and engaged... Which, by the way, he was last May and June. Yeah. And if he can be that player, well, then maybe you do have a chance to still make some noise in these playoffs. Because when he's healthy, motivated, and engaged, he's an incredible player. He's an all-star. By the way, I want to apologize. Uh, I got the name of the movie wrong. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Okay. Which they filmed around here, didn't they? I believe they did. Yeah, so that anyway, sounds about right. I apologize. Now, the Warriors it. are yeah. uh, four tenths of the way there with this regime. Yeah, they have six rings total, right? Including um, they had the Rick Barry, and didn't they have one in Philadelphia? 
They had one or two in Philadelphia, I think. Okay. I have to double check on that. So they're closing like, in way, on the way, 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 way back. Yeah, way, way back. Yeah. There you way go. Back. But yeah. There's there's the connection. Is it realistic still at this point to think of this team right now as a team that could still win the NBA championship this year? Is that a stretch a little bit? I think it's a stretch, but and I'll, I'll give you the same um, proposition that I gave to Mark Willard and I think Stein and Guru as well. I gave him two buckets, Whitey. Okay. There's the bucket of four. The Bucks, the Celtics, the Mavericks, and the Grizzlies. I'm sorry, the Nuggets and the Grizzlies. And then the bucket... The Grizzlies are frauds! The bucket of everyone else. So you either get Bucks, Celtics, Nuggets, Grizzlies, or you get the field. Which bucket would you take? Bucks, Celtics... You get the Bucks, Celtics... Celtics. You get the Nuggets, Nuggets and the Grizzlies. At the time, it was the Grizzlies. Yeah, I would take that bucket, honestly. You would take the bucket of four yeah. over the field. Yeah, I would. So you're turning your back no. on the Golden State Warriors. I'm answering your question, honestly. How about you? I would also take the field. Oh, you uh, would take the field? I would take the field, yeah. I would take the field because you get Philadelphia, and you get uh, well, Brooklyn at the time we did it. and It seemed like <laughs> Brooklyn now might not be much worse than Brooklyn then if KD comes back. Cam Thomas is amazing. You can't stop Cam Thomas. I've always said so. But <laughs> I, just the idea of the field. I look at the West, and I think Denver is clear-cut the favorite, but they don't defend. And traditionally, the NBA champion is a team that's top five in offense and top five in defense. So if you look at that team... In terms of those metrics, Denver's not a great defensive team. So I'm not sure if Denver is really cut out to to be the champ. Before we get back to the phones here, Xfinity Mobile text line is 888-957-9570. The reason I would take the bucket of four, as you call them, and I think that's going to catch on, by the way. Yeah, Celtics Bucks are in there, and they're right now, to me, clearly the two best teams in the league. And I know the Bucks are only a couple games ahead of the Sixers, but those are the two best teams in the NBA right now. Yeah, I just think it's an interesting conversation in terms of do you think the Warriors are still a viable championship contender? Because if you think they are, you think if the Warriors still have a real shot, well, you get the Warriors in that big bucket. You also get Philadelphia, as you mentioned, and you get to light the beam. Do I get a side with that big bucket or just a big bucket? No, it's a big bucket. It's a family-sized okay. bucket. No sides. No, si- no side of slaw. Right. Although your side of slaw might be San Antonio and Houston. <laughs> and, yeah, your, your biscuits and your mashed potatoes would be Charlotte and Detroit. Yeah. And you can have all the sides you want. Because really the bucket, if you look inside that bucket, yeah. you've got the Warriors. You've got Phoenix. You've got Dallas. That's the real meaty part of the bucket. You know, if we're using the KFC model here, and you get the family-sized bucket of chicken. Right. In that big bucket, I think your big pieces of chicken are Golden State, Phoenix, Dallas, and the Clippers. Apologies to Light the Beam. Uh, You know, Light the Beam might be the chicken wing. Still chicken. Yeah. You're in the bucket. They're just happy to be in the bucket. Correct. Anywhere near the bucket. In the east, I mean, the big breast of chicken would be the 76ers, and then, you know, Cleveland, Brooklyn, and the rest of those... You know, that might be the back and the neck, my neck and my back. But if you look inside the big bucket, I think you have enough teams to where I would go big bucket as opposed to the four-piece, the four-piece Nuggets. Yeah, I just think the Celtics and Bucks are that much better. And you also, I get Denver in there too, and they're having a great year. Right, and I agree with you on Memphis. Sorry, I started to block the number. But I agree with you on Memphis. You you see the jaw thing about the gun sights? Well, we don't know if it was gun sights, but... We do know that his entourage was 
basically menacingly yeah. intimidating Pacers. the Pacers traveling squad. Yeah. So put aside the the red laser, which I mean, it might have been a laser pointer. It might have been a laser pointer connected to a gun. Either way, what are you doing mm -hmm. trying to intimidate the Pacers traveling party? Mm -hmm. I mean that. So the, that we know is fact. Whether or not it was a gun or not, that's even more egregious. Yeah, the fact that it might have been, that's that says it all. Right. And the, that was the intent, whether it was or not. Exactly. The yeah. int intent was to intimidate. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't to highlight a slide on a PowerPoint. And then Ja was complaining that his friend got banned. And somebody needs to sit him down and explain. Just, yeah. it's you. This is easily avoided. And there's no reason for you to get mixed up. There's in no this reason yeah. for that. You yeah. Know? Seriously, there's no reason to get... Your friends can be your friends, but, you know, there is a line there, and it's bad for you and the team right. and the league. And, and I was talking about it in terms of his marketability, because John Morant is one of the great young stars in this House of the Asian. So if you're John Morant, if I'm advising John Morant, I'm thinking in terms of the Steph Curry model of, or the Chris Paul model, you know, Chris Paul and Steph Curry have made millions of dollars off the court and John Morant could be, and quite frankly is Whitey, that face of the league, of the future of the league. Dibs, we have some breaking news. 95-7 the game. Oh my God. <laughs> Tom Pelissero reports the 49ers have hired Steve Wilkes as their defensive coordinator. According to Tom Pelissero, the 49ers hiring Steve Wilkes as their new defensive coordinator, replacing D'Amico Ryan. Steve Bernard Wilkes, uh, interim head coach of the Panthers 2022. He was a head coach of the Cardinals in 2018. He's been the defensive backs coach for the Bears and Chargers and defensive coordinator for the Panthers and Cleveland Browns and University of Missouri. So there you go. Steve Wilkes is the newest defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. It's a great hire. It's a guy with a great uh, amount of experience. He can step in to the role that was uh, previously occupied by D'Amico Ryans. And when Steve Wilkes comes in with this veteran defense, a great defense, he'll come in and do very well. And he'll get a head coaching job after next year. And the 49ers will get compensatory picks yet again. The 49ers have figured out a way to dominate mm -hmm. the system of comp picks. It's not to say that Steve Wilkes is not qualified. He certainly is. But the 49ers have seen a way to get additional draft picks in the third round through minority hiring. It's genius. I'm really glad to see this for him because I think he really got screwed in Arizona where they brought him in and he was gone after one year. Um, so I think he deserved more of a chance there. So I'm glad to see him get another chance here. Steve Wilkes is a new defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. And this is a gateway toward a head coaching job. You look at Robert Sala, right. D'Amico Ryans, Mike McDaniel. You come to San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. You do well. You get a head coaching gig the next year. So I think it's a win-win. More on that coming up in just a moment. Also, the NBA trade deadline. Will it be dud or dude? Spent a lot of time on that. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> Dud or dude. Oh, uh, it's coming up, brought to you by Bud Light. It's Willard and Dibs. Whitey in for Willard. 95.7 a guy. It's JP with the Golden State Warriors. Now back to Willard and Dibs. Hey, got Whitey in for Willard today. Thanks for being with us. Jordan Poole had a game last night that uh, no less an authority than Draymond Green said was the best game he's ever seen Jordan Poole have. 
Coach Kerr, for the most part, concurred. <laughs> uh, anyway, Jordan Poole last night was efficient, and he took care of the basketball with a career-high 12 assists, only four turnovers, and the Warriors needed it. Taking care of their business, taking care of the Thunder, 141 to 114. What is going on in the association, Dibs, with these high point totals? Well, defense defense is uh, more difficult to play than ever before, first and foremost, because of the nature of the rules. And you know I love the officials more than just about any other human being, but the officials are in a spot where the game is unenforceable. Travel, the, the travel call. Remember early in the year we had all the spate of travels and carries. Well, those have kind of subsided. Defensively, you can almost not guard players. The pace with which every team is playing and the fact that all we do is shoot three-pointers, point totals are higher than they've ever been. Yeah, there was a night a couple uh, weeks ago. On the same night, Oklahoma City, well, no, excuse me, it was San Antonio. San, San Antonio scored 127 and lost by 20. To Portland, and that same night, Detroit scored 130 at home and lost by 20. It's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, and to I, the Bucks. I don't think any of us want to go back to 79, 78. No, but can we find a happy medium where? Because, like you said, last night the Warriors gave up 117 and they won going away. And the Warriors this year have crested 130 a small handful of times and lost a few of those games. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, the NBA trade deadline is Thursday. We have got you covered with all the latest news leading up to it. Our trade deadline coverage is going to be brought to you by Boxer and Gerson, Northern California's premier workers' compensation law firm, helping injured workers get their lives back for more than 40 years. But will this deadline be a dud or will it be dude? Let's see what Alex and San Mateo thinks about that. Xfinity Mobile text line 888-957-9570. Alex, thanks for hanging on. What do you want the Dubs to do here at the deadline? Hey, I want them to drive Jerome and drive Ingadala, bring back Patrick Baldwin, Patrick Baldwin Jr. from, from uh, in the D League and pick up a big man from free agent or pick up Carmelo or somebody like that. Man, I'm tired of Inca Dollar sitting there collecting checks for no reason right now. And that's all I got. All right, thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. I'm I mean, I'm also tired of Andre Iguodala sitting there and collecting checks. But they begged him to come back, Dibs. He was like, yeah. I think they, they had to beg him. Will you please come back? Will you please sit there in street clothes? We'll pay you $2.834 million if you'll just sit there. And I know he's a great mentor, and he's basically a, a coach on the bench. But I look at a roster that is a 15-man roster, and you're basically playing with about 10 or 11 guys on any given night. And you've had to play your veterans more than you would like to play them. And you're still scuffling for wins. I can't help but think that that roster spot could be better utilized by somebody who actually <clears throat> plays sure. basketball. I don't but it's dis- not Carmelo Anthony, by the no. way. I just, yeah. Nor is it Dwight Howard. Back up Big Man or Carmelo Anthony. Oh, okay. He was on hold a long time. So yeah. I appreciate that. No, I do appreciate yeah. it. But yeah. Um, Carmelo's not limping through that door. It would be nice if Iguodala were contributing more or if you had somebody else who could contribute in that uh, slot. But it's not his fault. If they brought him back and they knew last year he could barely play, early in the year they played him more than they should have. He broke down. And then he came into this year out of shape, kind of broken down, and he plays a little bit. Then he had that dunk. It's like, all right, you know, on his spine or his hip. His hip says... I'm out, my man. Have a good night. Yeah. Right? Basically. Right. So, that's, they can't be surprised by that. I'm not surprised, and I'm not 
really blaming him, quote unquote, for taking the two point eight million to basically just chill and hang out with your good friends Steph Clay and Draymond. And you know, if you're the organization, if you're Joe Lacob and that's how you want to spend your money, you're the owner of the team, go crazy. If you want to spend however much money it costs to establish a sensory room for fans who are overstimulated, then do it. And I'm happy for you, Joe. You've built a palace down there. You, get, you have the right to spend your money how you want to spend it. But when we look at a roster where you get in spots where you don't have a lot of guys to play, and now Ryan Hollins is Ryan, Ryan Rollins. Rollins. I apologize. Ryan Hollins is 60-something years old. But, no, Ryan Hollins. I'm thinking Ryan of the Hollins. former Blazer. Uh, You're thinking of Lionel Hollins. Lionel Hollins. Ryan Hollins. Ryan Hollins and it, Ryan Rollins. Yeah, Ryan okay. Hollins is a broadcaster for the... the yeah, former Bruin, right? Hornet. Uh, no, the Rockets now. Yeah. He'd come, I could call him up right now. He'd come on the show. He's probably in yeah. his early 40s, late 30s. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I apologize. But yeah. Ryan Rollins is now out for the year. So you got a 15th roster spot empty. Andre Iguodala, Captain DNP, and now Ryan Rollins. Don't call me Ryan Hollins. He's out for the year. You got yeah, unfortunately. I, you got Lamb and Jerome on two-way deals, at. and they yeah. can only play fifty games, right? Or they can only be available yeah. for fifty That's days. That's why they stagger him. Like he played really well, and now he's in street clothes. So they gotta, yeah. they're going to either have to sign one or both, and that means cutting somebody. But the back end of their roster is pretty messy. Don't you think one of the reasons they felt that it was so important to have Iguodala around though is because you know things looked like they could splinter after the punch, and the Iguodala is a player who can help keep everybody on the same page. I think that had to be part of it, because as far as him being a player, it's like, you know, he's probably not going to make it through the season, and so far, of course, he hasn't. Right. He hasn't really made it onto the floor. I think he's played three games in total. He's averaging about, I think, 680 grand a game is about what he's making. He's making more than Steph, if you want to break it down to (laughs) to per game. It's close, and Iguodala's a Hall of Famer. He's a made man. I don't begrudge him for anything he's done in his career. I think you do begrudge him. That's clear. No, what I'd begrudge him for, Whitey, is when he comes out in front of a microphone and pisses and moans about the fact that he had to sign a veteran minimum deal. Mm. That's what I'd begrudge him for. As the good people in the nine-county Bay Area soldier to work each and every day, and they grind through traffic just to make a small pittance of a salary. And this guy has the audacity to cry about getting a veteran minimum salary to wear your nice clothes on and sit courtside at an NBA game. For that, mm-hmm. I begrudge him. Gotcha. Gotcha. Any questions? Um Thank you. Yeah. I just don't blame him for any of it. But I understand what you're saying. I, I don't, don't know blame if, him. Yeah. But I, I think just, the Warriors did. It seems like they were like, will you please come back one right. more year? Will you please come back one more year? Yeah, and so. maybe the impact he's making is one that's not showing up in the standings. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'd be you know, 24 and 30 if it wasn't for his quiet countenance. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen at the deadline. My guess is, and I could be way wrong, my guess is maybe not much. Draymond Green apparently feels the same way. He told The Athletic after last night, if I'm being honest, it feels like one of those deadlines where everyone is expecting everything to go haywire and not much is going to happen across the league. 
Uh, he says, that's what I think is going to happen for me. I'm in this locker room with these guys I play with. We've never been a team that moves much at the trade deadline, so I'm not going into this deadline expecting some big moves or something. I don't know. If it happens, it does. But I've been here 11 years, and I think we've made moves two or three times. We haven't done much. So Draymond doesn't expect much at the deadline. That's the way it looks, although Anthony Slater reporting the Warriors are. They're looking at things. They're just not necessarily feeling compelled to do anything. Right, and I, I think the the compulsion to do something comes from a spot where you start to fall out of the race or you realize that you're just one player away from maybe getting over the top and being a championship team. So I guess the first part, you're not falling out of the race. Even though Steph got hurt, you came out and you won your first game. You go to Portland tomorrow. That's a very winnable game. And you look at the rest of the slate heading into the break. And the schedule's not too difficult heading into the All-Star break. There are a lot of winnable games in there. You've got Washington again, I believe, and you've got a spot where... you got some Clippers and Lakers and Blazers yeah, games. Yep, the Blazers Clippers scare me. I'm sorry. No, People me too. mad when you say that. Well, but. it just, just depends on which Clippers you're going to face. Right. If it's Kawhi and Paul George both on the floor, then they're a scary team. But that doesn't happen very often when they it, both play. You're right. It's happening a little more, I think. It seems like they're gearing up and they realize, hey, you know what, guys, we're going to get the playoffs coming up here. Right. So they scare me a little bit. The whole thing in the NBA is so hit and miss night to night. You just never know what any team is going to throw at you. But I don't look at the schedule and think, oh, they need to add somebody now or they're going to fall out of the race. The other piece is, who can you acquire without gutting your future? Because you're not going to gut your present. We know that. You're not going to trade Steph, Clay. You can't trade Wiggins. I don't think you're trading Draymond Green. Uh, Jordan Poole you just signed. I mean, you could trade him, but why would you? Kavon Looney is a special player that I think is much more productive here than he would be anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So who are you going to trade, and what could you possibly get back that's going to really help you? I think if you could get a, a wing who shoots or a, a big who shoots, you know, every NBA teams need shooting like baseball teams, and you've done more baseball than I have. You know this better than I do. Just about every baseball team could use pitching, right? What do they need? Oh, they could use more pitching. Right. And I think it's also true... Uh, every NBA team could use more shooting, especially in today's game. So you could use more shooting. Jamichael Green might be that guy if he continues to shoot well. I know you were kind of joking about Kelly Olynyk. I think a guy like that could help the Warriors a lot, but I, I, they don't have enough to give up to get a guy like that. So that and or a big, a legitimate big, like people are going to laugh. I know the Warriors had some interest in Isaiah Hartenstein a few years ago, and he said, no thanks, I'm going to the Clippers. Now he's on the Knicks, and I don't know. I read somewhere he's not playing a lot. A guy like that would be... A player who is a post player that can you can run the offense through a little bit, a good pass, or maybe Plumlee. I think guys like that would help the Warriors, but I just don't see any way for them to make a move like that. I think the one player that would help them more than any other player is the one guy who is certainly untouchable for the Golden State Warriors, and that's Jay Crowder. I think about what he would do for this team. Maybe. A 3 yeah. and D wing, a guy who's an elite defender. He just hasn't played all year. So, right. Yeah. But, I mean, you could have him in a 20-game ramp up and get him ready for the playoffs, and Phoenix is not going to trade no. him to Golden State. No way. But I think in terms of what one player out there who is tradable, and I don't know if Phoenix is going to trade him anywhere. If they do, it'll probably be to the Eastern Conference. But that, to me, is the 
player. He's a guy who can play great defense. He can guard two through five, I'm, I'm sure, certainly. He's also a tough buckaroo. I mean, he really Super is. Super tough guy. <laughs> and he can shoot the three ball. And I think mm-hmm. this Warrior team, you said they need shooting. They're fifth in the league in three-point percentage, and they shoot the most threes of any team in the association. So I don't know if they need three-point shooting as much as they need like perimeter defense. And that's why yeah. I look at Jay Crowder and I dream about what he would be on this team. Because then you take Draymond out, you put Crowder in, and defensively you could still have Crowder and Wiggins on the floor or Crowder, Wiggins, and Draymond. That's an elite defensive team. You throw Clay in there as well. All of a sudden your defense is not bottom five anymore. Yeah, I like Thibel too. We talked about, or Thibel, pardon me, Matisse Thibel. Yeah. But there's other teams that want him, and he's a liability offensively, but he's an elite defender. So it'll be interesting. It doesn't look like anything major is going to happen, but you never know. And if you're the Warriors, you also have to be worried about this muddled West and what one team could do. If one team pops with a big big deal all of a sudden you may have to respond to that or at least you know react to it you don't want to see that happen right but i don't think you can pop back in yeah. terms of like what sort of you a can't splash. overreact yeah no and I, I mean if you do then you're you're going to trade Kaminga, Wiseman, and Moody for one player to come in and maybe pop for the... You got that right, pop? Pop for this year. And is it enough to get you over the hump this year? And if it is or isn't, what happens in the future, right? Yeah, the interesting thing is that the Dallas move is probably not that move. It's I don't think that's... A, it's certainly an interesting move, and it's going to be worth watching. But I think if you're the Warriors or any team, I don't think any team looks at that and says, Oh, no! Look out for Dallas! Right? No one's looking at them as, well, that's it. They've won the West now. No, but I think they definitely got better. And at it, one end, they did. Right. It all depends on you know how those two can mesh together. Because you, you look at Russell Westbrook as a player, kind of like Kyrie, where you look at the talent and you look at the player he is at his best, and you dream about what he would be like in our system. And then he gets there, and it's like, oh, God, this guy doesn't fit with us at all. And we've seen that with Westbrook in multiple spots. Yeah. Westbrook is an interesting player. He's very stubborn. Very stubborn, isn't he? Uh, speaking of Westbrook, who's he currently playing for? Spadone? Could be history made tonight in the Lakers contest against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, Le- LeBron, LeBron James, James sitting so close, 36 points away from becoming the all-time points leader in the National Basketball Association, surpassing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's going to happen, Whitey. Does he come up with a 36-piece tonight to do it against Oklahoma City or not? What do you think? I don't think he will. For some reason, I think they're the powers that be are hoping that he will break the record Thursday. You know, this game's on TNT tonight, too, in case he breaks the record. But Thursday, they're playing the box. And, you know, Kareem started with the box, so I don't know. There's some symmetry there. Obviously, it's going to happen eventually, which is one of the reasons there's not as much drama here. It's kind of like when Pete Rose was chasing down Ty Cobb. You knew it was going to happen. You just didn't know when. Yeah, and it's inevitable, and it's going to happen this year. And congrats to LeBron James. What an unbelievable career. And he did it in modern fashion. 2,233 Three-point shots huh. for LeBron James. And you look at his his career shooting the three. He made 63 threes as a rookie. He's always been a bit of a three-point threat, shooting 34% for his career from behind the line. But you think about that is 6,000 
699 points, all earned from behind the stripe. Okay. Abdul Jabbar was Lou Alcindor when he came in the league, what, about 1970? They didn't introduce the three point shot till 79.80. So, how many can you do you know, Dibs? How many three pointers did Kareem Abdul Jabbar make in his NBA I would career? guess, and I, I have to Google it, but I would guess fewer than uh, LeBron James. I think we have compiled every, you know, sit back, grab your popcorn, settle in, make yourself comfortable. Signing Guru next. <laughs> We're going to play for you now. This is every three point field goal Kareem Abdul Jabbar made in the NBA. Side to Cooper, but big Bill Walton. He big, hey, I want to tell the folks something. I'm glad you mentioned that. Cooper misses from 18. Kareem hustles, gets it. Shoot a oh, three-pointer, Kareem. To. It's three, and it goes! There's the first one of his life. Did they count it three? I didn't see the official. I didn't either. Did they give it to him? I think so, didn't they? Three-point shot. Oh, this is still For you people on TV, there it goes. He likes it. Don't worry about that. That's all you'll hear on the bus and the plane tonight going back to L.A. Apparently that was it. Wow. <laughs> the great Chick Hearn. I think that was 87. Have to double check. Made one three in his yeah, NBA career. 86, 87. Kareem was one of 18 from behind the line. Uh, he shot his first one in 79, 80. He was 0 of 1, 0 of 1, 0 of 3, 0 of 2, 0 of 1, 0 of 1, 0 of 2. Talk about a drought. Seven straight years. <laughs> the guy couldn't find the basket. Then he knocks down the three. You heard it here, folks. Yeah. Every three-pointer ever made by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Our staff did a ton of work on that, compiling all those. Thanks, Kyle Madsen. Yeah, and good, good editing, Spadone. You oh, guys nailed man. it. Yeah. Number one. You strung all those together. 5.6% uh, for his career behind the line. He was one for 18 for his career. If he played today, and it'd be tough because he was 70 or whatever, but <laughs> <laughs> he'd shoot more threes. He was a decent shooter. He's a decent uh, free throw shooter. And if he were playing in the modern game, I think we'd see him shooting a few more threes. Yeah, because that's, I mean, pick and pop. Here's yeah, Kareem, Kareem yeah. sets a high screen and <laughs> just drifts out. Three ball, knock it down. Uh, he shot for his career from the floor. 56%, mm -hmm. Whitey. Mm -hmm. And you think about it in terms of, I mean, just anybody shooting any basket in the NBA to score that often, 56% from the floor, and to be able to rack up all those points without the benefit of the three ball. I'm not saying Kareem is the true scoring champ because <laughs> the game has done changed, but right. it is impressive when you think about amazing. what Kareem did from being a 22-year-old in Milwaukee to being a 41-year-old Laker. The one thing that Kareem had that LeBron doesn't have is he had the signature shot. LeBron has scored a number of ways, and that's not a necessarily a criticism, but obviously Kareem had that hook shot, and I know nobody cares a long time ago, but the thing is, nobody shoots it anymore, and Kareem had range on that sucker. You know, now guys shoot like a five-footer maybe. Yeah. Kareem is shooting like 12, 15-foot hook shots sometimes. Yeah, and shooting 56%. Yeah. And, you know, defenses obviously were geared up to stop him from the time he was a rookie. And I know there weren't as many true bigs for the majority of the early part of his career. But to be able to score at that rate, at that level. And I was surprised at how many threes LeBron has hit for his career. I didn't realize that his three-ball total was that high. But... Tonight, or what would it be, Thursday, Thursday, LeBron James will become the all-time scoring leader. Yeah, it's incredible. Now, what if you were, let's say something happened where it's happening Saturday at Chase, because that'd be the Lakers' next game. So that's yeah. unlikely, but it's possible yeah. he gets hurt or something. So Kyle Madsen was asking me this. He says, if you're a Warrior fan and you're at that game, 
and Kareem has a chance to break, excuse me, uh, LeBron has a chance to break Kareem's record. Do you want to see it there? And I'm thinking, if it's the Warriors and it's LeBron, there's no way you want to see him break the record on your floor. You do, and just because it's history. And because, but it's thinking LeBron. But when history looks back at the Warriors versus LeBron, oh, has, oh, you got to be kidding me. The Warriors win. The Warriors beat LeBron more than LeBron beat the Warriors, especially the Warriors winning that last championship. So now the Warriors have four, and LeBron's got he's got he's got three, right, or three and no, a half. He has four. three and a half. Three, what, the bubble one or the what? bubble one's a okay. half. Three and a hook, as we like okay. to say. So, and the Warriors beat. LeBron more than LeBron beat the Warriors in the finals. So but the one time he did it, it kind of left a mark. It left, yeah. Ask Draymond where that mark was left. Hello, yeah, hello. Oh, the ball right. Hello, <laughs> a little Hubie Brown there. Uh, I think in this case, hello. I'll give myself a three. You're coming off a chip, so because you are defending champs, go ahead and break the record here. Let our fans at Chase be able to see history. Maybe you're right. I just think real Warrior fans, it's the last thing they'd want to see. And I know you want to see history, but yeah, but not by him, not in our building. So let's say LeBron plays one more year in the association. Let's say LeBron gets to 40,000 points. He'll play at least one more year. I'd He's be surprised at 38,352. Okay. Let's just say he winds up in the 40,000 point range. Okay. Is there a player right now in the league who surpasses LeBron James and takes the all-time scoring record? In the league right now? Yes. Among active players, and I'll take Carmelo Anthony out because he hasn't really played, Kevin Durant sitting at 26,684. I don't think he has enough time to get 14,000 points. Most times, if you're a good player, you get about 2,000 points a year. If I had to bet on one guy to do that, it would be a guy who won't be in the league till next year, but I would bet on him. Uh, that's a tease. You want to pay that off, big boy? Well, you know who we're talking about. It's the guy that uh, four teams are tanking for. Wimbanyama? Wimbanyama, brah. Yeah. You yeah. think that he's going to come in and just immediately... He, that's who I'd bet on. Yeah. I mean, if, if uh, of the guys that are playing now, you can see some young players that are scoring a lot of points. Anthony Edwards comes to mind. But it's got to be somebody who's just so dominant and gets into the league so super young. Because that was part of the reason LeBron's been able to do it. There's a guy sitting at 123rd all time, mm -hmm. a 28-year-old multi-time MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's sitting uh, right now 123rd. He's got 15,706. So he would need to average 28 a game over 70 games for another... Ten seasons, basically. Uh, Booker gets mentioned. Dublin Marge asked Booker. I thought of Devin Booker. He gets hurt a lot. Um, Luca can do it from the 408. <clears throat> and base sports fans ask about uh, Bronny James maybe breaking his daddy's <laughs> record someday. Yeah, I don't quite see that, but it's interesting. No, that's not really true. When you <laughs> no, that's really not true. When you talk about like uh, Luka Doncic and Booker and the younger players, these younger players they don't play often enough to really track down that record. LeBron, right. LeBron James played 79, 80, 79, 78. I mean, he plays all the time. Even though he's been hurt later in his career, the whole ethos now of go out there and play every day 
Guys don't play more than 65 games a year now. Right. So it might right. be hard to track down the king once he passes the cap. It's also this. I mean, it's just incredible, and he's an incredible player. And I'm, I've never been a big fan of his, but I consider myself privileged to have gotten to see him as much as we have seen him. And he has actually exceeded the hype. Both those guys did. When Lou Alcindor came into the league, there was a lot of hype. He exceeded it. LeBron's done the same, and the hype was massive. Yeah. And he's exceeded that. It's crazy when you think about that, right? His yeah. high school games were on national TV. Mm-hmm. They were must-watch television when he was a high school player. Yeah. The hype was so big, there's no way he could have lived up to it. And you're right, he has surpassed it. Mm-hmm. It's a good call. Yeah. So is that must-see TV for you just to watch, to see it happen? Would be it tonight or Thursday? Or nah. From the look you're giving me, I'm guessing nah, nah. not. I mean, I, I'm more interested, and I, I'll look to see if there are prop bets as far as like how he breaks it. Dunk, free throw, two-point basket, you know, three-point basket. Damon Rado, big debate yesterday. Should he break it with a sky hook? That would be cool. Yeah. That would be very fitting. He's like, that would be insulting. <laughs> Ray took the negative? Yeah. Where's the breaking news sound? it would be homage, wouldn't it? Total homage. It's hard to shoot. I don't think it's going to I'll happen. see if there's prop bets on that. There should be. All right. Like how yeah. he breaks it. 888-957-9570. Is there anybody you can see, even on the radar now, you think maybe someday they break that record or break Wilt's record for that matter on the Xfinity Mobile text line? Love to hear from you. Coming up next, how repeatable is what the dubs did last night? That'll it, be brought to you by, huh? Yeah, but, uh, brought to you by Pfizer. It's Willard and Dibbs. Whitey in for Willard. 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 